audition yesterday yeah yeah we chatted about it a little bit yeah and and it was an interesting experience because this is someone that had been recommended you know for me to talk to so I decided to to pursue that and then they pursued me and then I was like okay great and then I didn't hear back anything from this person about an actual time to audition when they were going to be in town. And, yes. Or at least on this. A project. manager. Yes, a manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the last minute, after flying, you know, back from the States to Vienna, I was asked, you know, can you come and be in Berlin tomorrow evening for an audition? And I said, why, yes, I can. You know why? <laughs> because I am Rachel Payne. <laughs> life in motion and the fact of the matter is that isn't always the right decision like (laughs) like, I'm a very determined person and I always want to show that I'm willing to do what it takes does that make sense like Mm -hmm. I want to be the person that's there like you need someone to sweep the floor I'll do it you know you need somebody to you know uh whatever like I'll do it Yes, if that's what needs to be done, I'll do it. If I need to, you know, yeah. climb on a plane 12 hours after I landed, I'll do it. So that's what I did. And I hadn't warmed up adequately in the days prior because I was not in a position to do that and because I didn't know I had an audition. But this is a fantastic thing I feel like to talk about because guess what? You can always get a call, right? Yes, that's that's the whole point of, you know, why we are as Olympians that have to practice every day and have to stretch those tiny muscles every day. It's because Mm -hmm. if you don't, then you can't make that triple Lutz, double toe loop, whatever thing that they do in in skating or, Mm -hmm. you know, the vocal gymnastics that we have to um, perform. So, yeah, particularly in opera particularly in opera for sure well yeah I mean if you're singing repertoire that is mostly within the range of your speaking voice which most pop singing um, and most folk singing is then you don't have to stretch in the same way because you aren't doing the kind of vocal exercises and um, like the expectations and acrobatics that 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 there are in in opera even even within pieces that are in a more like comfortable um speaking range right because those pieces tend to require a lot of line they tend to require a lot of long phrases and none of the opera is in my speaking range because i'm speaking below middle c all the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i I suppose there are a few arias that dip down into that register but I know it's crazy. It very it is very disparate. 
the range we sing in versus the range we speak in. Mm -hmm. For a time, I had a teacher who told me I should try to speak more like Julia Child mm -hmm. and that that would be helpful to my singing. And so I did. For a while, I thought, hmm. And honestly, I don't think anyone would think I was weird after a while. It would become kind of normal. And I could just talk like this all the time <laughs> and use a lot more head voice. What, do you think it's weird? It's not like I'm going like this, Rachel. You take the chicken and you no, cut you, it you, down the center. And then you stuff the bird. You put, you just stuff it. No, I actually don't know. I've never really watched. Yes, <laughs> I don't that's the turkey. I don't, sorry, turkey. Stuff <laughs> chicken. So, um, yes. So, uh, so auditions. We thought this would be a good, uh, good topic for our podcast, not only because you had one yesterday, but because um, they're traumatic and it's good for people to talk, talk it out. There's some healing to be found in talking through this shared experience of auditions and maybe for people who have never auditioned and maybe never planned to audition to hear, you know, to have a window into some of the horror that is a regular part of our lives in this industry. <laughs> the horror. Well, what was really what really helped sort of put in put it into perspective a little bit for me um so there was this tenor uh who came in from vienna as well and i didn't i didn't quite realize that um until i was leaving because i was taking the bus out to you know the back of the jetway because that's where the cheap planes and flights are and you get to be on this like freezing bus for 10 Yay. minutes <laughs> um, as I was, you know, sort of stewing to myself, like staring into the void in front of me on this bus, I, I briefly looked up and I saw the tenor that had been at my audition and, and his audition as well. And I was like, oh, hi. And, you know, we spoke a little bit in German and then I gave up um, and we spoke in English. But um, he, he was probably in his 50s you know, a very seasoned, really lovely lyric tenor voice who does mostly character work primarily, I would imagine, because of his build and and because of his stamina. Like he just sort of, you know, strikes you as someone who is a very, um, you know, agile. And mm -hmm. he said, is it Mima, I think, the uh, Wagnerian uh, character tenor role? You, you're the expert on Wagner, so you gotta... Oh. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Mima, I don't know. I, I, I think... I think that's right. But he, I mean, he, he rocked it. It was awesome. And, you got to hear his audition? I mean, through the door, but yes. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And, and it was, it was awesome. And like, just the voice was very easy. It was very even. It was, you know, he, I mean, you could tell, like he came in, he was like, yeah, I'm doing this thing. We'll see what happens. And, and we, <laughs> we chatted and afterward, and it just sort of really put it into perspective because he started to talk about, how the work here is going to much younger singers now mm. and how and how it really is kind of a shame because and, and, I mean I, this is what I shared with him I said you know I really feel that that's kind of a shame because you know these kinds of roles actually require time and you have to sit with a role you have to sit with it sometimes for years before it becomes what it actually can be and what it needs to be in order to really move people yeah and, for sure and when when you hire the person that you know primarily looks the part they just won't have that experience of time that that is kind of necessary for it to really 
um, congeal, like for it to really actually, I mean, that's a terrible word. <laughs> it's okay. No, I, I kind of, yeah. yeah, I think it works. Okay. Um, yeah, until it really, you know, it's like this, the slow cooked meal, you know, it's yeah. where the meat just falls off the bone. It just sort of melts in your mouth and, and you like have nothing to say. Everything is a food analogy apparently right now. Um, <laughs> I just did my workout. You're hungry. Ta-da. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, it, it really was interesting because it's something that I've heard so often from people in the States, but I really wasn't prepared to hear that from people here. And, you know, to, to hear some young singers here, um, the ones that I've heard in this program, I've been really impressed with because the, the voices are so fresh and they mm. sound so easy. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as long as you are singing the appropriate repertoire, the voice stays young and fresh, you know, apart from, you know, like major life changes, you know, or major, you know, things that happen to us emotionally or physically that, you know, cause, you know, cause things to change in the voice, which is sort of a natural outcome of those, those things. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I was, I, I just thought it was really interesting and it just made me wonder, like, is it actually dying? Is the art form actually dying? Because, and are we killing it because we're sending out young people to do a job that they just aren't prepared for. Um, I don't know. Mm. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've thought about this too. And I want to mention before I address that, the ageism in our industry is rampant as it is in most industries where your physical appearance is a part of um, your product, what you're offering. So in Germany in particular, and the German-speaking world, they actually require you to include your age on your application, which is something that it hasn't come to here in the U.S. Hmm. Um, uh, of course, they're curious about how old you are, and you always want to look as young as possible. But there, they're just like, just tell us, because we want to know, like, before we even see you. We want to know how old you are. So, and um, it's kind of accepted in the industry, industry-wide it's accepted that you can lie about your age up to five years without anybody batting an eye. Well, it's not um, even accepted. It's like expected. expected. And well, so especially if you when don't you're lie about age. your age, they're going to be like, man, she's <laughs> really old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they'll think you're five years older than you're saying. Yeah, exactly. But, um, even if you're being yeah, honest. Interesting. Yeah. No, and I remember our, our favorite teacher telling me that I could get a fake driver's license. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> you know, just sandwiching that between the technique. Should, and I, get, we should, should I also get a fake birth I certificate? I mean, like, <laughs> no, if we're really, going to go I back don't... in time, let's go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, anyway, um, <clears throat> and then the other thing you were saying about, uh, is it dying? And, I think the answer is no. I thought this for a long time and people were kind of saying that. I don't know if it was a marketing tactic or if people were really afraid or what was going on. But um, I think as long as there's funding for the arts, there will be interest in the arts and particularly in opera. As long as opera is funded and happening, people will go to it. And 
the argument is commonly, why are people who are at the opera so old? And what happens when they die? The answer is because people have more time to look into things like opera when they're older. And so it's sort of something that people take up later in life. Absolutely. Um, I think that's hobby. absolutely true. I, I think that people, you know, sort of similarly to the fact that it takes time to interpret the repertoire, it also takes time to appreciate ingest it. the mm-hmm. repertoire. Like, you know, you, you have to come to it with a, a certain amount of, you know, willingness to be rather mm. than to, you know, purely be entertained. It's just a willingness to be present and... And I think that that does come with age and with experience. Um, There's, you know, the anticipation is, you know, it changes from being like, well, what's the next next cool thing to, uh, you know, what's, what am I experiencing in this, in this, um, in this aria, potentially, Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I want to talk a little bit more about... Um, so I don't know if you've seen our, our friend Nicholas Pallison has started a Facebook group called inside out something. Oh, maybe I should look it up really quick before I start talking about it. So I can actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, have you, have you seen anything about that? Are you familiar? Are you? No. Okay. So essentially he's in this, so his, his therapy has evolved over the years. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is an opera singer who's also a hypnotherapist and has worked with performers extensively over the last, I would imagine, 10-ish years, maybe longer, um, to help people basically get out of their own way and stop being so much in their heads and second-guessing themselves and having terrible stage fright, which he had, which is what inspired him to go into hypnotherapy in the first place. And um, Yeah. So isn't it interesting how the difficulties that we have that we figure out a way to overcome um, can then help us to help other people. Yeah, I mean, isn't that sort of the point of it? I feel like you know we're given things that we struggle with in order to hopefully overcome it, and then and then help other people overcome it. And I think that that is sort of the yes. process. It's the process of life, at least when things are in perspective. You know. Yeah. So the the name of the group is, and it's a closed group, but I think you can. Um, ask to be added to it just asks you some questions to make sure that you're the right person for the group and you're not gonna also a human probably (laughs) possibly that (laughs) no you don't have to be a human to be a performer we know that we accept all (laughs) (laughs) so it's called performing and living from the inside out and the idea about it is that we are enough already And so all of these tips and tricks that we get about building confidence or um, helping with nerves and stuff like that, if we apply it from the outside in, it won't be nearly as effective and it may not be effective at all compared with if we just recognize what we already have on the inside that is whole, that is complete, that is enough and sort of allow that to shine forward, allow that to be there. I completely, completely agree with that. I, I feel like when it comes to emotional well-being, when it comes to, and I think it does transfer into, you know, into an actual performance. But, um, but yeah, you absolutely have to come from a place of knowing that that whatever happens while you're out there doesn't define you. You know, it's um, it is a 
it, it's a moment, you know, it's a flicker, it's a, it's an instant. It's not, it, it isn't who you are. It's, it's, it's something that has occurred, right? I mean, that's, I guess, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's interesting <laughs> because it reminds me of, um, you know, this, this inside out idea. It reminds me of, of that book. I don't know if we've ever talked about this on here or not, or if we've talked about it at all, but we probably have because we talk about like everything. Um, you Are Special, that Max Lucado book. Um, I don't know. It's the thing really... is, we haven't caught up in a couple of months, so things happen, and then we don't talk about it just because we don't talk. So you oh, should tell well, me about it now. Max Lucado's You Are Special is a book about wooden people that have been mm. created... Huh? by a yes, master I remember, craftsman yeah. yes. and his name is Eli. It's all very allegorical, you see. Um, and, mm. But these little wooden creatures give each other stars or dots depending on whether they have done a good or a bad thing in the eyes of you know their peers. And there's a poor little wooden creature that only gets dots and sometimes gets dots just because he has dots and just you know sinks lower and lower into himself. And then he meets somebody who doesn't have any stars or dots because they don't, she doesn't let them stick. And, and in, you know, and he asks, you know, how, how come, why don't they stick to you? And she said, because I go to the, um, I go to the guy who, who made us and I talk to him and I feel better essentially. So I mean, it's a much, it's a very sweet story. I'm kind of butchering it a little bit, but uh, so he goes to Eli and he sits with him, and Eli basically says, um, "It doesn't matter what any of those other wooden people think. It only matters what I think, and I think that you're special." And he leaves, and he thinks to himself, and this is the inside-out part, I think. Is that mm. as he leaves, he says, I think he really means it. And it's that moment, it's that moment of, of decision that, that really defines character. And in that moment, he made this decision, this little wooden creature, that he mattered. And so a dot falls to the ground. And that's basically where the story ends, right? The dot falls to the ground as he, as he walks away. But there is this sense, I think, that what's so important about that story and what it illustrates is, you know, the sense of the inside out. You still have to be communing with something bigger than you. Like there has to be a sense of, and there's a humility in that. Mm. Um, and so... I don't know how this really sort of relates back to what we were talking about, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, I was starting down this road about inside out because in the audition, you know, it's easy to feel, um, very judged and very sort of persecuted. You know, you can get into a headspace where you just feel like you're on trial and it's a, it's not a creative space. It's not a space from which you can be, free and be yourself. And, you know, it's a very sort of damning place where you feel, you feel, yeah, oppressed in some way. And, and that's because the, you're allowing the environment to control you and, and not just the environment, but your own perception of the environment and sort of the worst case scenario perception of the environment. Whereas from the inside out, you would have that sort of, um, 
ability to tune in uh, to what's going on within you and your preparation and what you have to say as an artist and and sort of that's sort of your anchor in that moment and then you allow that to be shared with the people on the outside and not and don't let that and those environmental concerns destroy or affect in any way uh, what you have to share because if you if you allow that to happen it will always diminish it um, unless it's just sometimes you have a wonderful audience you know in a performance situation generally not in an audition do you have a wonderful audience but um, sometimes actually occasionally sometimes you'll have you someone do. who's kind of tapping their foot or kind of smiling at you a little bit sometimes um, but in an, in a performance situation of course sometimes it's appropriate for that fourth wall to drop and for you to have some sort of energetic um, transference, you know, between, you know, you're kind of getting energy from them and giving energy to them. And it's that great back and forth in an audition situation. And maybe this is why part of the reason why it can be more terrifying is because there isn't that, um, audience participation. Mm. <laughs> and I call them, I use the term audience very loosely when it comes to, you know, cause they're a panel that's there to, um, essentially to, to critique. You. Yeah, their job is to critique, their job is to determine, you know, whether or not you're either right for a role or right for a roster. Uh, you know, they're, you know, do, does this person fill their needs? And, and I mean, the fact of the matter is, in five minutes, you can't, I mean, it's so interesting, because I'm sort of of two minds with this, because I, like, I once did speed dating, many moons ago like, wow you know, I, I don't know if I've heard this story I once did speed dating and and I Yay. sat across from probably I didn't do it right by the way like you were supposed to like write down like people that you thought like maybe you could go out with but I, I didn't I just like talked to people that were in front of me and then I wouldn't write anything down and then they went to the next person like and some of them like looked kind of sad and I was like why are they sad like what you know I, I just I didn't do it right but that's okay whatever like it all works <laughs> in the end um but I do remember I probably followed through 20 guys and there were one and a half that I would have been interested in potentially going out with Okay. And there, well, there was one that I was interested in going out with, and like half of another, <laughs> like, and and it was because within moments I could tell, like, nope, I'm too much for this guy, or nope, uh, oh. you know, this person struggles with something that that is bigger than me, or no, you, do you know what I mean? Like, and mm -hmm. within moments you can tell, and I imagine that those people sitting behind the desk. Uh, or the table, usually at the table, of an audition panel are, you know, they're going to become pretty attuned to seeing, like, what is the character of, of this person, right? Yeah. Um, is their character the kind of character that will be able to, will we be able to market them, like, or whatever, you know, and... And I think there's that, but there's all sorts of other factors. It's like, does this person have enough on their resume? You know, are they are they overqualified for this? Are they underqualified? You, you know, what, you know, will this boost the look of our program? Will it, you know, there's so many factors when you're producing something that, you know, or you're producing people that, that come into consideration, I think. But the thing that kept coming 
across my mind last night as I was sitting in this audition, or as I did this audition and I was listening to this feedback and I just wanted to stab out my eyeballs. Um, like, yeah. Um, was the, the comment that, I, that, that kept coming to my mind was, it is so safe where you are sitting. Mm. Like it is just so safe. You risk nothing being where you are. That's right. It's a very stark contrast within the same room. Yeah. It's like, what if you paid me to fly here? And then maybe we would be a little bit more on equal playing ground. Do you know what I mean? Or just, you know, what would it take for it to be something where I am not having to look up and say, oh, thank you so much for seeing me. May I kiss your hand? You know what I mean? (laughs) Where's the royal ring? You know, I mean, it's just... Yeah. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I had a blast singing. Like, I had a blast singing because this pianist And you sounded great. Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was recorded. So that's nice. Um, do you really think so? Like, we haven't talked about this at all. Like, I know we haven't. And I wasn't sure if you wanted to do it on, hey man, on the air. Whatevs. Speak. Like, whatevs. <laughs> yeah, we can so, talk about it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that the Wagner was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that it was, I thought your voice sounded great. I haven't heard you in a while and it sounded strong. It sounded clear. It sounded consistent. Um, and musical. I mean, that is an aria that's kind of just like, Oh, like the whole thing is kind of out there. Right. It's not, it is not very nuancy. Well, I guess there's not, maybe not that much of Wagner that is very nuancy, but, it, but um, it's very sort of sung through, right. The whole mm-hmm. thing is like more like, Oh, like this. Mm. How do I, how do you say that? Uh, yeah it's just kind of it's just kind of more well that's what's um, been so fun heroic about working yeah it's very heroic that's a very good way of putting it but that's what's been so fun about working with linda on this repertoire because she understands the nuance within this huge you know heroic genre of opera Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is which is so much fun and like i mean it's not perfect sure like yeah I, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of factors that went into, you know, why it's not perfect. And also it won't ever be because I'm a human. Um, but yeah, yeah. but what is, per- what is perfection anyway? Yeah. I mean, and what is, oh, man, I, I have an answer. No, oh, go ahead. You oh. go. And then I'll, yeah, go ahead. Go, oh, I go. don't have an answer. <laughs> Please. Yeah, but you were going to say something else. Do you want me to say it? Say what I was going to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what you were going to say. Because it came to me in a flash. <gasps> Inspiration. When, when I know. When I said, what is perfection? And I really think that it is this. It's that inside-out thing. And when a person can be completely true to what they know, what they have, you know, on the inside, what they've prepared, what is a part of them, and not compromise but just let it be enough what it is and offer that without apology. That is perfection. (laughs) 
slow clap, y'all. No, I didn't. It wasn't a slow clap. I just have a lot of lotion on my hands, so you can't really hear it. <laughs> um, I see you over there like a seal. You're like, yeah. That's actually kind of what I look like. Because I'm like trying to hold this bobby pin in one of my fingers, and then it's like in the way, and my hands are all slippery because I put all this lotion. Sorry. Sorry. It was not a slow clap. It just... Glad to know that you're multitasking over there. No, I like you're getting things done. Sorry. <laughs> lotion, whatever, with the bobby pin. No, 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 no. I put the lotion on before we even started talking. <laughs> it's shea butter, oh. so, you know, it's thick. Anyway. Oh, that sounds nice. It is. Isn't it nice? Shea butter is lovely. Um, mm. So, yeah, the Wagner. <laughs> but then she was like, Mozart, girl, never again. Never <sighs> Again, am I going oh, okay. to sing Countess ever? Ever. Let's talk about this because I also heard her say, You wouldn't happen to have Dove Sono, would you? And uh, yeah, anyway. And I was like, And they're very different areas, right? Between yeah. Portia Amor and oh, Dove sure. Sono. But I know exactly why she asked for well, that. Well, she wanted Recitative. And. Well, not just that. She wanted to hear. I mean, Dove Sono is a killer, even though it's not high. It sits in a tessitura and is so sustained and long phrases and sure. very sort of nuanced and everything has to be very, it's very instrumental. A lot of Mozart is instrumental, yes. but it's just so exposed and long. And after you've been singing in this like C to F range for like above middle C range for like the whole aria, then the very end you have to pop up to these A's and it's just a really can be a really awkward thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to constantly so, re-anchor the larynx, like constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but people want to hear you do Dove Sono because Por Amor is short and, you know, a lot of people can kind of do it, but it doesn't mean that they can do Dove Sono. So Dove Sono is definitely like the harder aria of within the role. Right. You know, and so they want to hear you do the. Right. <sighs> anyway. But, um, but yeah, so, they always want you to have a Mozart on your list, right? We were going to talk about this. Blah, How... blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right? And it's because, it's because it is a sort of um, measuring stick. And How about a concert everyone... aria? Why not a Mozart concert aria? I could do that. That would be fine. Oh, well. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, long, people are so but... finicky about what they want. Um, yeah. And they do like to be able to compare you to things that they know. And, and the fact of the matter is, Mozart is, uh, like, pretty much everyone can sing Mozart. It's just varying levels of Mozartian style. I would style. say most everyone can phonate Mozart. Right. The but pitches are within yeah, the grasp. The pitches, yes, the pitches are possible. Right. But... The rest of it is very telling, right? Like, is this a Mozart voice? Is it not a Mozart voice? And some right. people, I think some people, and you could be in this camp, Rachel some people don't have Mozart and they just say I'm not a Mozart singer I mean Mozart yeah, I, and, and a very particular thing it's for a lighter voice you know yes. it's for like a lyric voice um or a light lyric voice yeah I mean and, and, and you hear sometimes you hear heavier sopranos do it and like you can like I've been working on Eletra and and that's been you know kicking my butt but like it's that would fan- be better I think, for you than Countess. Yes, much actually. <laughs> um, but the trouble is, it's just not. It's not ready. Yet. It's not cooked yet. You know, that's the thing is that I've sung 
Porte d'Amour for so long. And because of that, you know, because I know sort of what to expect. I know where my pitfalls are with it. I know, you know, sort of what I have to do to, to like make it work. Um, yeah. That's the one that I put on there. Even though Tutte nel Cor Vicento is probably a better fit for what my voice actually is. Mm. But, or even um, Don Elvira, you know, would be, would also be, oh. would also be okay. But like, at the end of the day, when I sing it, I'm just like, man, like, I need to like go have a shower. I just, <laughs> I, it's just, it's, it just feels like a slog versus feeling empowered. I guess when I, mm. when I, when I sing that, it just feels like. Yeah. Wait, the Eletra feels that way? Or the Eletra is definitely difficult, but it's it's it it requires me to keep the voice so streamlined. Like I can't fudge anything. Does that make sense? Like mm, I can't yes. let go. It's physically I won't make it if I tr get lazy at all. And lazy is not the right word. If I if I lose concentration, that's that's more appropriate. Um, yeah. And, and because of that, um, it's easier, I guess. Yeah. But it just, it just, it wasn't fully cooked yet. And had mm. I known that I was going to actually be doing this audition, but again, hindsight, you always have to be ready. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, right. And when are you really ready? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I did it in an audition. I sang Tutte nel Corvicento a couple of weeks ago, but afterward I looked at it for a couple of days and then I put it away because I had to travel and I had to get all these documents together and blah 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 um it was a bunch of craziness but I have my visa <laughs> I have my visa um it only oh came. man yeah 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 really. I didn't I haven't heard the saga surrounding that yet it's, it's not it's not very interesting as a matter of fact this is much more yeah. interesting um but I yeah, so as she asked for it, I was just like, <laughs> you know, I just knew. I was like, my voice is too heavy right now. I know it's going to be too heavy, and I know I'm not going to be able to find that little pinpointy place yeah. Yeah, for that mm. top to be free. I know it, and I knew it from the beginning of it. And, like, I started to sing, and I'm like, well, at least it didn't sound like a truck starting when <laughs> I had that first phrase. It wasn't like... You know, it wasn't like it was... no. I thought it sounded good. Yeah, the beginning, the beginning was nice. Those beginning phrases were nice. Um, I'm sorry, I, you were going to say something, and I keep talking. No, well, I mean, no, you keep talking though, because I'll remember what I'm going to say. I just, I just wanted to tell you my impression. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to hear that, and so I should listen instead of <laughs> my mouth off. <laughs> so no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. So um, basically, I, I can understand. So one of the, and this is maybe something I don't know if you want to include on the podcast, but it's up to you. We can edit it out, right? Um, one of the comments that, one of the feedback, some of the feedback that you got in the part that wasn't recorded, by the way, the recording stopped right after you stopped singing. So I didn't get to hear the juiciness of the, the following conversation, mm -hmm. which I think it's awesome when, when people who audition you are willing to give you feedback. I think it's awesome, even yeah, if it can yeah. be painful. Feedback is, is, is invaluable. Um, uh, and one of the things that she said was, to, she asked you if you knew that you sang straight straight tone. And as soon as you said that, I was 
I was, um, it was a, this flashback. I was taken right back to the time that I sang Por Gio Amor for the same person <laughs> and got the same question. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, but what's interesting is it's sort of the difference between, okay, so, and it was right after I had been doing some work with our favorite teacher and who works with sound that doesn't necessarily always have vibrato. Right, vibrato is something that happens spontaneously, but it's not something that should ever be introduced artificially into the tone, which is something that I was coached to do as a graduate student and something I kind of had to unlearn. But when we have that, she calls it, I think, a, is it a set voice or a something like that? Huh. Yes, we I have that so. sort of always there. Um, then when as we get older, it's too rigid and it becomes this wobble and it's sort of... Yep. Um, it's not, it's not beautiful. The, the vibrato should come from a very um, spontaneous place, mm-hmm. um, born of freedom and not of sort yes. of As a compulsion. false sort of, exactly. you know, it's sort of like adding reverb to a recording, you know? Right, mm-hmm. right. And so when I went in to sing Por Amor for, for her, um, I started out with, it was not straight tone, but it just did not have much vibrato in yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And some people want to hear from the very beginning. They want to hear kind of this whoa, 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 like constant sort of fluctuation of of the vibrato that's just always I, there. What, you know what? I, you know what? I, I, what? What if? What if I don't like that? What if I don't feel like that's where my voice is happy? What if right. I well, did there that and it just sounded like, oh, look, let's drive a truck through this. Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, that might not actually be an option for my voice for it to be beautiful. Right. Well, and the thing or there are plenty maybe of professionals... that's totally a lie and I need to freaking vibrate on every note. <laughs> well, I think I think that there needs to be vibration, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same vibration all the time. It doesn't need to be some kind of you know what I mean? So this sort of separate entity that's always present, it needs to be, it needs to be, it needs to be free. Um, the voice needs to be free. And yeah, that doesn't and it, necessarily mean moving in this, in, in the sense of like a vibrato, like there are, because I've, when I, when I've heard that feedback, like not, not from this person, but like in the past, you know, when I've heard people say you need to make sure you have vibrato on every note, I've always been skeptical of that statement because I've, I've always felt like, where did that come from? Because I don't believe that came from you, person who's saying this. I don't know that huh. that was born from your heart. I don't know that that was born from a place of truth within you. So I have to ask myself, right. like, is that actually true? And when I listen to singers, I don't, I don't hear vibrato on every note. Like very, very right. famous there are, singers. Right. I was going to say there are plenty of professionals working on stages around the world right now who are not singing with a vibrato that's audible on every note. It yeah. should, there should be spin to the tone. It should be free, but it doesn't, there doesn't have to be that sense of, whoa, 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 the, the fluctuation, um, strong all the time. Um, and there are people, there are, you know, very accomplished professionals who have too much vibrato you know, who just in certain parts of their range, they'll have a sort of a tremolo, but it's not to say that the vibrato is the end all be all of artistry. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's a, it's an element within that, but 
that's another reason why I told you that this particular person who auditioned you doesn't know a lot about the voice. And she is partnered with another, um, another person who does know a lot about the voice. And so they sort of work together, um, to make choices about the singers that they'll bring onto their roster. Um, and that's, I think that works well for them. And it's not that she doesn't know anything about the voice. She's just not a singer herself. And so how much can you really know until you've experienced it and studied it and taught it and been taught it for many years and experimented and explored and you know what I mean? Like anyway, so it's hard to be, it's hard to be critiqued by someone in these specific ways. Like, do you know that you sing straight tone? It's like, um, and I think that's why it rubbed you so much the wrong way is that you were kind of like, do you know anything (laughs) about anything? (laughs) You know, and of course that's kind of a defensive response, but it's very natural to feel that way in that sort of situation. (laughs) I I mean, I just kind of stood there and I was like, "Mm." I don't know how to respond to you in this moment. I don't know what to say in this moment. Yeah. So I will stand here. And look calm. <laughs> I will breathe. And, and, and I will keep breaths. breathing. Exactly. And yeah. yeah, she was like, yeah, you sing straight tone. And, you know, it was okay in the Wagner. You got away with it in the Wagner. but you know, you There really... was no straight tone in the Wagner, P.S. Yeah. 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 And, and that is the power of a recording. Yeah. It's like the court reporter. It's like you look back at the transcript. But, and, and also what's so tough about recordings, especially on something that really isn't meant to capture the voice, such as, you know, an iPhone, um, mm-hmm. you can't hear overtones. Right. And that's another challenging thing about, you know, the person who's doing the auditioning. If they're not the person like listening in such a way that, you know, or hearing in such a way that they understand like, within those first few moments, like, is this a voice that carries? Is this a voice that is beautiful? You know, is this, you know, like, and I really don't know. I can't really say if, I mean, she has some great people on her roster. So, I mean, whatever, you know, like, yeah, they, they know some things. They must. Oh, for sure. Great people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But like, yeah, it was just it was just a very interesting moment, and then, and then to um, at the end, you know, to so she sent me this recording, and she was like, you know, we we can't offer you, you know. So she said, I do think that there is a voice in there. I think there's a voice in there, oh. and I'm like, that's a comment that you say to your own head. Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> not a comment that you say out loud to me. It's like, well, are you talking right. to me? Should I turn around and see? Like, I think there's a voice in there. Like, oh. like multiple personalities. Like, what? What do you mean? Like, um, I sure as hell hope there's a voice in there. I've only been studying for eighteen years, and you know, been you know, been given a lot of positive feedback, and also you know, there comes to the inside out thing that we've been talking about, which is that something in me says that I must. Uh, and perhaps that thing that is in me that says that I must is there only because I need this in order to help me improve on this level and maybe others. You know, maybe this is a thing that mm. keeps me humble. 
um, or maybe not. Maybe I'm totally like puffed up and terrible, but like, whatever. Um, but it's, um, but that is something that I wonder, like, you know, so she sent me this recording of it because I said, oh, please, please send it to me. Thank you so much. And oh. um, yes, would you like to, would you like some salt to pour into that wound? Yes, and some lemon. <laughs> Lovely. And she has a napkin. And then she also... <laughs> I know. Sometimes we just want to forget our auditions. I, exactly. Right. We're just but like, at the same time, because uh, yeah, I have to but, tell you that I, I mean, was I loved it. After the... the audition season. Yeah. Being able to listen back yeah. and say, oh my gosh, it really wasn't as bad as it felt or yeah. as I thought it was in the moment. Because sometimes we are our own worst critics, right? Yeah. We, we hyper-focus, you know, it's like when you, did you ever buy a mirror that has the magnifying power of like, you know, 500 times and you look at yourself and you're like, my pores are the size of a small city, you know, and, and yet when you, you know, flip it over, you're like, oh, that's so much better. And you realize nobody is looking at you that close. Nobody, right. nobody cares about your face that much. Oh my gosh. And, oh my gosh. And you shouldn't yeah. either, frankly. Right. <laughs> like, right. It's true. I remember reading that in a magazine when I was like early teens and yeah. I had taken up like plucking my eyebrows into tiny, tiny Aww. strips when I was like 12. It was because a thing. I saw it was a thing. Jane Seymour in, um, what is the moment, the moment in time, what's it called? Somewhere that? in time. Christopher Reeve, somewhere in time. Somewhere That's in what time. it's called. And I saw her in that movie and I thought she was so elegant and she had these tiny eyebrows and I was like, I will have tiny eyebrows. But I was born with be, quite thick eyebrows. So that was like it was, a, it was a tall order. Yeah. So but I tried to do it and then and then I remember feeling like because when you try to okay, so I had like the most high maintenance eyebrows ever because I was trying to make them like one fourth size the thing. <laughs> well and and I do have curly eyebrows as well. But they could probably be thinner. They're they're I mean I'm I like them now, but at the time I just thought, Oh, these are so, you know, furry and huge and I need them to be more feminine. I and love that we're so it was very a very high maintenance right situation. Sorry, sorry, yes. <laughs> so and then and and I remember always thinking when I went places like, you know, I plucked my eyebrows every day to try to make sure there were none no strays, you know, like nothing growing in where I didn't want it to be. And then I felt like people were always looking and they could see my tiny hairs on my eyebrows, which is so unrealistic. But at that age, you know, it's just like the pinnacle of self-consciousness. I was, um, yeah. And I read in a magazine, it said, um, when you do your makeup or anything with your face, do it from three feet away and don't ever look at it more closely than that because no one else does. Mm. And I, mm. I do have some siblings too, actually. But it took me a while to like internalize that and be like, I got to quit like being so micro attuned to everything because it's just unnecessary and it's a little neurotic as well. Well, so, and going back just... to this idea of inside out, you know, when we're hyper-focused on the outside, how much are we really paying attention to the inside? How much yes. time do you really have to devote to who you are instead of, you know, what, because it is, it's focusing on what others perceive. And yes, and what others perceive of who you are is um, is you know potentially a lot more interesting, I think. Um, through having character and you know developing a whole life, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but like something that like Jimmy Stewart and the guy who played 
the original Scotty in Star Trek. These were these were World War Two vets. You know, these were guys that that had lives and and lived and you know saw saw things that were real and all of that was added to their art um mm. and yeah i mean of course you know scotty from star trek like, i mean i don't know he wasn't like you know otello or whatever but like <laughs> he um it it just adds dimension to who you are and so live a life you know have experiences and and do things that um, that change you and that challenge you in order to um, I don't know be be a whole human. Yeah, because whole humans are more interesting than half humans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to find this quote that a friend of mine shared with me from her. She sends out a newsletter. Actually, you know her, Sarah. Mosvice. Is it Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get her newsletter? I do. I, I was so happy to her. read it today because I was feeling really bummed about about you know this experience and thinking oh because the reason why I was really feeling bummed is because included in this email with the um, with the recording was the offer of doing a consultation and then I went on their website to sort of see I'm like what does a consultation entail let's let's go and look at it and it entails mm -hmm. a, a two hundred dollar price tag for an hour and and I was just so sad you know mm. like am i i'm good enough to pay is that what it is you know i'm right i'm good enough well, to be worthy of time to that's yeah and i i get it like it's you know people's time is worth money absolutely you know your expertise is worth something it's just that it feel it just feels really shystery. It just does. <laughs> like it just feels yeah. lame. Well, like <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is another. This is an, a topic for a whole other podcast because mm. I think we could talk a lot about sort of the trajectory of singers who you know start out studying and heaven knows I've been I've been taking voice lessons since I was twelve and when I was still a kid my parents paid for them but. Since about the time I went to college, I've been paying for them, and I still take voice lessons, not as regularly as I once did, but they are not cheap. And I would say that my overall investment is in the tens of thousands, I mean, possibly over $100,000 um, for just for lessons and training uh, relating to singing. And at some point, you think people are going to pay you. You are probably there are very few people who ever actually break even with the the amount of investment that it takes financially and otherwise and what you recoup once you start working as a professional if you start working as a professional and so then we have we've 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 touched on this a little bit um but i think we should i think we should save it for a different podcast but sort of this um this corporate environment of the university that's shuttling students in and out without any sort of realistic um, understanding, understanding of, of what is available to them once they leave. So they're, they're there. And especially as graduate students, they're getting opportunities to perform in leading roles and that kind of thing. But these are paid to sing opportunities, right? Because you're paying tuition and, and even then there aren't always those opportunities available. And then you go on and do a young artist program, you know, or so you'll do them during summers or something. And the, they're also paid to sings. And at some point, it has to flip over, right? 
and you and you do you get an agent and they start getting you work and you start getting paid hopefully a decent amount but unfortunately not always um sure i mean i've, but, I've made more doing session work you know where i sing like do do be do do um <laughs> that you know and and i'm still getting paid for that you know i still get residuals for for some of the simplest singing jobs that i've ever done but i got those jobs because because i was a trusted person that you know had been educated and you know hopefully you know good to work with blah 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 all that stuff um and but yeah i mean it's it's really tough to stick it out and to like keep showing up and keep taking these crazy risks like moving yourself freaking across the world um and yeah you know when you know when when the feedback that you get is like well i think there's a voice in there it's like excuse me excuse me like oh and she's really is such a kind person i think she would feel horrible if she understood how that comes across and how sort of condescending it seems to say yeah. something like that to someone who's been I, honing their instrument for so many years. Exactly. It's like, I, and that's what I'm like, well, maybe if I were 18 and I had heard that, I mean, she thought I was, hmm. uh, no. well, that's a positive thought. No, no, yeah, there's no way, no way. I came Not in like a, like a tailored suit with fur on the collar. There's no way I was 18. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, she, yeah, maybe she, if I were eight, yeah, if I were eighteen and I'd heard that, I would have been like, "Yeah, there's a voice in there. Cool, cool. Yeah, I can do this. You know, and maybe that's the attitude I need to keep having." Um, I mean, at the end of the day, if we go back to this inside-out understanding, the inside-out is that um, I know that I have a gift. No, this reminds me of, yeah, this reminds me of what you've said to me and one of your sort of favorite sayings, I think, which I really like too, which is if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. Yeah. And so, and so to say I, I'm not enough until I'm singing at the Met or the Staatsoper or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you'll never be enough if, yeah. if it takes, if that's what it takes. Because even then, even when you get there, it won't be enough because yeah, that's just your that's your mentality because you're always working towards something and there and i think as humans that's that's the nature of humanity right is that we are always pursuing that we are always moving forward and you know mm -hmm. when i get over the crest of a hill that's when i'm going to be happy well and that's and that's sort of the challenge um with with continuing to do this like and you say i must like i do this because i must and sometimes i think to myself must i i don't know like i'm I'm in a different phase of life now and I'm just like, I'm, I am having, I'm doing a Skype session, a coaching with New York on um, tomorrow. And I'm hoping to just sort of recalibrate because it's so hard when you, like I've moved to a new city and I'm sort of establishing myself here, but there aren't a lot of opportunities. But then when I think about leaving my family to fly and, you know, audition somewhere else, which I have, you know, in the last few months, I've been to New York a couple of times to sing auditions and nothing has come of them. And it, you know, it just makes me wonder, like, is it worth it to pay to fly there? Is it, you know, is it, is this something that I really still want to pursue? And, um, like at some point it's interesting. I think, 
I think I told you that um, Nick Malice, who's the the son of Spiro and Marlena, mm -hmm, he, uh, I I used to babysit for him in in New York. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he told me once that the people who make it in opera, it's not so it's not so different from professional sports. And it's really just the very elite who go on to actually make a living at doing it. And he, you know, I think he says this from a place of maybe some disappointment because he, he was a singer as well when he was younger. And now I think he does something in finance in New York. And I think he does well. Like, I think he has a good job, but he just wasn't able to pursue singing as a career. Mm -hmm. And, and it's interesting. It's kind of like, I feel a little bit like the older I get, the less hungry I feel, the less willing I am to make sacrifices. Whereas when I was younger, it was just like, I'll do anything. You know, I was a little bit more like, you know, you got the call from the agent and you were like, I'll be there, you know, and you just like booked a flight. You know what I mean? It was just like, there was, but I think it's because right now you're studying and it's like, this is your life still. And for me, it's like, I moved to Utah and I'm, and I'm living here with my new husband and our stepchildren. And, and I'm just like in this different sort of frame of mind. And it's easy to, well, everybody's in a slightly different situation in their ability to contribute, right, to the arts and in their development and just in whatever chapter, you know, whatever sort of phase that they're in. But I'm just right now trying to wrap my mind around what's next and what I really want to, because um, I think my inner competitiveness was it played a role when I was younger too because of mm. the the family in which I was raised and that has since sort of faded mm -hmm. um, and I don't feel like I need to do it because I have to I have something to prove and that's huge because needing to yeah. prove something is totally an outside thing right? yes because oh it's like, absolutely it's proving to whom like I mean if you need to prove to yourself in some way like if there's some kind of benchmark that you have set up for yourself as far like you know something to, to help you but if it's in any way going to hinder your progression in other areas then then it then it, it is it actually worth it like that's that's something that I've thought about like um because for me I think it was never a question of can I be a successful singer I, I think I've always felt like I have a voice and a personality that is a successful combination like I think it's it isn't that for me it's always been like how far can I really stretch this voice like mm. what can I what can I what's possible and I want to see I want to know I want to yeah. know how much I can do and I want to know where it fits you know I I've used this analogy before about um uh, with Monet you know, he, he has his canvas and he paints in the garden and mm. he starts in spring. And so all the colors are pastels and very light. And then the oils take a long time to set. So he comes back again and now it's a new season. And so the colors mm. have changed and it adds a hue of depth and, um, you know, and character. And I think that... I want to know what my voice is in all seasons of my life. I want to know what it can be. And and I don't want to give up on something that is worth pursuing. So mm. 
So I guess that's what, you know, that's, that's in some ways that's where the battle is. Yeah. I think that's a good place to stop. I think it is too. <laughs>